This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and it is my great pleasure to be joined today by Joanne Yastramski, who is Vice Chancellor of Finance and Operations at UMass Lowell. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you, Megan. It's so nice to be on your podcast today. You have a bit of a unique situation in that you ended up in higher ed and then at your alma mater. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened, how that journey took place for you? Well, I I haven't always been in higher education. Uh, I was in uh, corporate America for a considerable period of time. And um, even before that, I uh, was at, in public accounting with uh, KPMG Pete Marwick. So it had never occurred to me uh, to go into higher ed until the mid-1990s uh, when uh, I was networking um, with a, a, some of my former colleagues from the Museum of Science and mentioned that I was kind of looking around for another position. I was with the Providence Journal at the time. And uh, sure enough, they got uh, a call from a search firm and said they knew just the person for that search firm to check out for the uh, chief business, business officer, the chief financial officer for Bentley College. So that's what happened to get me into higher ed. I interviewed for the job at Bentley College. I never even had been in higher ed before. Mm. I got the job. Um, it was a good, really good match because I was a CPA. I had had some uh, not-for-profit experience, and they definitely liked the fact that I had had a lot of corporate experience being a business school. And from there, I went uh, on uh, into uh the University of Maine system as the chief financial officer a few about five or six years later because it was my it's my home state and I wanted to give back and I wanted to I have to say it was a family decision also to have my uh, children raised in that particular part of Maine Bangor Maine and then when my uh, alma mater gave me a call uh, through the, the search firm to interview for the chief financial officer here at UMass Lowell I just couldn't believe the the uh, fortune <laughs> of being able to come back and serve my alma mater uh, in this very special time in in the institution's time frame of uh, of our success story. I wonder if you could contrast the private sector with education. It seems like you feel more affinity to higher ed since you've stayed, but can you think back to that that first transition and Give me your, your insights about what was different. Oh, I, I have reflected on that many times and why it is that I would leave uh, corporate America to, to go to uh, higher education. I would say that the mission was a, a key reason. Uh, I had been at the Providence Journal at the time and the mission for the Providence Journal besides the fact that it was a multimedia conglomerate was really about making the shareholders more wealthy 
and in some ways making the senior management more wealthy as well. In corporate America, there's much more of a greed factor, uh, a more of a short-term planning cycle. Uh, when's the next merger? When's the, you know, the next opportunity to liquidate your shares to uh, make some more money? Versus higher education, which has this this wonderful mission, as well as a time frame in perpetuity, at least that's what we all think, you know, about our institution, uh, so that you have this very long-term view uh, for strategic planning and this opportunity to, to give back in a, a way that's m- much more like I want to give back as a person at this point in my career versus making other people wealthy. <laughs> what skill set do you feel you gained by being in the private sector? And is that something you recommend to folks who are aspiring to CBO to spend a couple years outside of higher ed? Oh, I think that's a good idea. I think it's a very good idea to have a lot, uh, large diversity of experiences and all of them uh, add value and make you um, a, a more around, whole and rounded person. Um, what I think was... Uh, the best part of being in corporate America was the uh, need to be um, as efficient as possible as an organization. Corporate America does, like I said, pay attention to the bottom line um, and uh, shareholder wealth. In that regard, I think that it tries to be more efficient in its operations um, perhaps than than higher ed has been. I think that's changing in higher ed. You hear a whole lot more about effectiveness and efficiency committees these days, just in the last few years. So I think that is changing uh, as we need to be more responsible as to how it is that we uh, we manage our bottom line and how we manage the increases in tuition for our our students. But I would say that's one thing that comes to my mind is uh, that whole area of just really trying to be as efficient as possible and um, managing uh, your your cost and your uh, charges to manage the bottom line. Absolutely. And that's such an important skill set with, with shrinking budgets, as I've been told on this podcast many a time. <laughs> I'm sure you have. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say as you look back on your career, Joanne, what have been the most important skill sets that you've used? And maybe they're skills you have inherently, or maybe they're skills you've had to develop. I believe that surrounding yourself with really smart and really good people is a skill set to have the courage to have people that are a lot smarter than you, that you can watch their career, help their career along so that they can uh, succeed you someday. So skill sets, not just my own, but who I, the teamwork and who I surround myself with. Um, Also uh, teamwork with my colleagues. Uh, So it's relationships, the skill set of building relationships. That's very important. The, 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 The provost and not, not just the president, but the provost and the, um, chief information officer and the chief human resources officer and the uh, marketing people and the fundraising people, how it is that you work together with all of these colleagues as a team to help move the institution ahead. I think that's actually the most important skill, even above the technical um, 
and um, and of course, like I would I would say that that is a key leadership skill. That whole area of um, team building. What when you think about relationships, what have you learned over your career about relationships? What have you what have you had to kind of figure out maybe the hard way, or have you emulated by watching others? So one thing about uh, relationships that I've learned is that sometimes um, when you're um, with your your team or your colleagues, you might find a negative thinker in the group. Okay, someone that uh, is you know, a complainer or um, criticizes the um, the organization or whatever it is that they criticize, so that you can find yourself beginning to get caught up in that. So what I've learned, and it took me a long time to learn this. Uh, is that I don't want to get caught up in that uh, that negativism um, anymore. Uh, it wastes energy, uh, and I I ha- actually have to say I found myself buying into it in in a, in a way that I thought, well, gee, maybe I don't want, want to work at this institution or this company anymore because if it's that bad, maybe I should move on. So I kind of moved mm. around a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but that was actually. I have continued to mature. Um, I'm 63. <laughs> I should tell you my age. And I'm still maturing, I think, Megan. And I just feel that that's one of the areas where I've matured the most uh, in the latter part of my career to be more, to stay positive despite the negativism that might be around me and don't let it affect me. Don't let it waste my energy. Um, and uh, I actually have to say, in more recent years, I've even taken up uh, running because it helped manage that stress and helped manage that, that, you know, um, that, I guess that aspect of being, uh, on, on, the, on the job. I want to switch, switch gears just a little bit and, and talk about what you're doing at UMass Lowell right now that you are most excited about. Oh my goodness. Um, we have continued to go to the next level and progress as a campus beyond all of our imaginations. Um, we have a, the, still the same core team for, for somewhat, not completely, that I came in uh, to join about eight years ago. So that's a great thing to be able to continue to implement our strategic plan with the same mindset and the same vision of the original group. And with that, we, we continue to um, implement the strategic plan of growing our enrollment with increased selectivity and all that is required to do that, which includes a number of new facilities to be renovated or to be built. So that's a complete transformation of the campus physically. And then uh, growing our uh, management team and thinking about succession for the future uh, is very important to us. And then um, implementing Division One, uh, which is we're in our final fourth year probationary period for that, which was a big mm. deal to us, um, with uh, no football, thank goodness. <laughs> and then, and then finally, um, in m- the most recent period of time, I've become qu- quite a bit more involved on the academic side. We have a new provost, and um, my chancellor has asked me to assist. Uh, with some of his transition, which we're both grateful for that. And I've been quite involved in academic effectiveness and efficiency initiatives, which I never 
thought that I would do before. Hmm. So I'm I'm actually learning quite a bit more about the academic side um, in in the in the last few you know last period of time. Talk a little bit more about that. What are you learning about the academic side that surprised you? There's more and more acceptance, at least in I'm going to say in the university mass system, to become more efficient uh, as an academic organization. Uh, to look harder at how many low enrollment classes that we have so that we uh, we cut them in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, to look really hard at workload for the faculty, to faculty-student ratios to be monitored carefully with tools that are available to us through our in- institutional research department's uh, data analysis. Uh, to look at across the UMass system to see if there's some possible duplication of degree programs that can be consolidated to be collaborative at the academic level with uh, tools, basically information technology or instructional technology tools that can be shared across the five campuses. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, and then library type efficiency and effectiveness, uh, new initiatives that is all, kind of a, a a little bit of a new area for me to study and to make a, a contribution to. In fact, I actually have institutional research now reporting to me, which is a, a learning area for me right now. That seems like uh, an area that might be fraught with emotion and a little bit of controversy. Have you, have you found that to date? And if so, how are you managing that? I watch that controversy every time we have a board meeting and um, the board members, I would have to say from the top, push this, this effort of uh, academic effectiveness and efficiency onto the uh, campus uh, chancellors and provosts. Mm. So you, you see the controversy uh, ha- has occurred over recent board meetings, which I think has made us a little bit more attentive to this issue. Uh, because of the governance uh, nature, you know, of doing what your board is expecting of you. Uh, and you see it at the provost level at some, some campuses more than others. But since my chancellor is a great mentor to me, Jacqueline, Jacqueline Maloney, uh, I watch her carefully at how she manages this in with such grace and style that uh, she seems to be able to uh, manage the expectations of the, the board members as well as work with the provost to co- continue to plug along in a way that will be effective but without really upsetting the faculty uh, in a big way that causes way more uh, emotion and commotion than, than you would like to have as an outcome of this process. Joanne, what would you say that you're doing today that you never expected to be doing, let's say, 10 years ago in your career? Probably two areas. Uh, The police department. I never thought I'd ever have the police department report to me. Mm. Uh, And that is a new area that I took on when I came to uh, UMass Lowell. And of course, in the last period of time, 10 years, that's been a very, probably, campus safety and security is probably the highest priority for a higher ed institution right now. So the, having the police department report to me was a new learning experience, that's for sure. But we're, you know, we're, we're doing very well uh, with our uh, campus police with a, a, um, 
uh, a community-based policing philosophy, uh, which is very important in these times. Um, and then maybe even uh, long, uh, long ago, I don't think I was going to ever be as involved in IT as I am now. Hmm. Um, I'm not the techie that that I'm surround I'm surrounded by, <laughs> but but I definitely have a great awareness and a uh, great uh, strategic uh, focus on information technology because it's just everywhere, isn't it? You know, in 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 all ways that we communicate, uh, it's all about IT these days. So um, that's that's a huge part of my uh, job focus. What ways is uh, is technology changing education at UMass Lowell? Would you say we've always had a very large online or distance education program? Mm-hmm. We're over over forty million dollars in that in our online program right now. So wow. that will continue to grow. Yeah, we're very well known in that uh, regard. Also, uh, we find as especially as we continue to have new faculty come on board uh, as the um, we have a number of retirements these days, the new faculty really enjoy and respect and, and welcome any kind of new technology for instructional technology in the classroom, uh, for their um, learning management system, for their uh, computer lab laboratories, uh, for social media, managing student uh, expectations. Uh, those are the things that come to my mind. One of the most exciting areas for UMass Lowell in, in the last, actually say about the last month, was what we call our, v, our V-Lab, which is a virtual lab where you don't have to be in the lab to get the software. If you're an engineering student, you now can, through this V-Lab, have access to that very sophisticated specialty engineering software 24 by 7 from your own uh, browser. Um, and that's that's a really big deal for uh, space savings. So you don't need to have as many labs as, as you, you know, would have had to have under the mm-hmm. old form of having the software on the computers and all this and that. But... Uh, when I hear the faculty members in the engineering department speak in front of a lar- large group, which they did, and say, you know, how pleased they are with this new thing called VLab, I have to tell you, it really makes me smile because information technology IT does report to me, and um, you always like to hear when when your people are doing a good job. Joanne, what would you say is the biggest challenge that faces you and all CBOs today? Succession planning comes to my mind. At Ikubo, uh, where I'm a board member and on the Program and Services Committee, we um, often think hard about the programs that we need to offer uh, that focuses on leadership and the next generation business officer and mentoring programs and also uh, career services that can even be provided at the conference itself because a lot of us are baby boomers that will be retiring pretty soon, and we really care about our institutions, and we really care about you know succession planning um, 
in in all aspects of our department. So that, I guess that one is one that comes to the top of my mind. On the business side, we do have the demographic declines in a good number of the regions of the country, uh, including New England, where I'm stationed. So we 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 worry about the demographic declines and what that will do to our student enrollment and needing to branch out internationally and see how that works out for us uh, and and maintaining our our current student body, re- retaining, I should say, retaining our current stu- student bodies so that we uh, keep our class sizes at, uh, uh, at the, the desired um, goal and, of course, graduate even more students every year. Absolutely. Big challenges that you're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. It sounds like you have quite a few things on your plate these days. Busy. I'm busy. Yeah. (laughs) Joanne, is there anything else you'd like to share today that I've neglected to ask? What I think has really driven me over the years um, is to make a contribution and to make that contribution uh, to stay focused on the strategic plan that your institution has designed that and that requires great teamwork and and great courage and uh, to and great persistence uh, at every moment of the day. Uh, and while you're at it on the business side to have wonderful balance and on in your personal life uh, so that you can, you know have, have a wonderful uh, uh, opportunity to have hobbies and travel and friends and uh, sports so that you you just keep good life balance, keep the stress down, but at the same time meet your your, your university uh, business and um, community goals to be a, you know a, ra- a very well-rounded person. Excellent. And those are fine words to end with today. Thank you so much, Joanne, for your time today and for sharing just a little bit of your personal story with us. Oh, you're welcome, Megan. It was my pleasure. You can find out more about Joanne and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Joanne and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education.